Hey, church. Can't shut you up. You guys are uh, one of the most social church in uh, the whole movement. Guys, grab a seat. I'm so sorry to, uh, to pull you away from your conversations. Feel free to continue them in the uh, foyer uh, afterwards. And um, so as Pastor Ward, uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, um, Pastor Ward started a message series, opened a, a message series called uh, is it Living Worship. Uh, and basically, I'm going to pick up part two of that here today, uh, unpack a little bit of uh, some scripture, some ideas, some thoughts around worship. Um, and so that should be, a, yeah, should be an awesome time. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Ryan. My apologies if we haven't met before, but I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you afterwards. Um, I just kind of want to open up this space. Well, I've left Toby up on the keys and just pause for a moment. And uh, Ward said last week that uh, we, we are created for worship. So we're just, we just bumble around worshiping stuff. It's our job to make sure it's God. And so it's not a design problem. We are designed for it. We just have to orient it in the correct way. And so I just want to kind of do that right now. I just want to create a space. Just wait. Wait on Him. Just for a moment, just for a little bit, just to reorient this. Because there's nothing magic in, in these notes. There's nothing magic about God. It's just His power and His presence. And so I just want to rest for just a second. Give this over to Him. Thank you, Lord. same power that resurrected Jesus on the cross is here. The same power rose him out of that grave is here right now. If you don't believe it, I encourage you just to seek him in this moment and for these next 20 minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you this morning, we give you this space right now, Lord God. That nothing I say, Lord, be not of you, Father, but everything everything I say, everything we do here this morning, Lord God, be it for your glory. Thanks, Tobes. Let's give it a hand for Tobes. How good is that? What a presence, hey? Wow. So I wanted to uh, couple of, share, just share a couple of thoughts here this morning with you. I'll, um, I'll start with a little introduction, but I just wanted to really quickly, because this, this kind of loops back into the end of, of my message, and it's, we often think and ask the question, where do we go to church? And we don't, we, what we really mean is, is where do we worship? Where do you, where do you have worship? And not where do you get coffee with your friends, or where do you spend your Sunday mornings, because we've all got heaps of spare time, you know, we all, you know, it's great, and uh, not, not where do you, you know, uh, sing 
three songs at the start of a service. No, where do you worship? And worship is so much more than just what happens here and what happens there. Worship's a lifestyle. And worship is out of the overflow of love, a loving relationship with Jesus. So I want to really, I want to really have that here today. During this moment and, and, and a little bit later as well. But as I said, for those who haven't met yet, quick introduction. I'm, my name's Ryan. I'm from Darwin. If you, haven't, you didn't know that, from the Northern Territory all the way up yonder. And um, I've been here in Sydney for probably, I don't know, nigh on six years. I moved here in February 2013. Went came down for Bible college. My, uh, my pastor got in all sorts of trouble in Darwin, <laughs> all kinds of trouble. And my pastor lit a fire under my butt and sent me down to Bible college. All right? And uh, where I met, oh, actually, where I studied two years of uh, guitar, thank goodness, and <laughs> I was terrible, and then two years equivalent of the leadership stream as well. It's where I met my lovely wife. On the front, on the front there, Shannon. She is, she is amazing. Yeah, no, no. So, um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm currently, last night was a terrible night, but um, I submitted my last essay uh, for my uh, degree that I'm currently undertaking. Uh, I have one more little video to do uh, for my lecturers, but I finished my last big essay uh, for my undergraduate. I'm very excited to finish. Bring on the masters. Whew. Um, and we live down in DY uh, on the northern beaches there. We've got a little one better. Um, part of the young adult team uh, at Oxford Falls, and I run, the, um, I run the writing team for a little website called Trash Your Bible. And, uh, and I've done the worship here for, I don't know how long, <laughs> five years, five and a bit years. So hopefully I know a thing or two. I've got a thing, a thing, thing or two to say uh, here today. Uh, so it's a very fitting theme, obviously, that I've been asked to speak on worship. The first thing I want to... Uh, kind of maybe uh, fill you in on here. Peter talks about it in his, uh, in his, in his uh, letter to the church, and I'll click at that scripture, 1 Peter 2, 4. Uh, oh, yep, I was going to play it off like I knew it. As you come to him, the scripture says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected, here it is, uh, where is it? Nope, that's the Romans one, we'll, we'll go to that one later. There we go. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by a man in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Now, just FYI, guys, I am a Bible college lecturer, so I apologize if this gets a little teachy. But there is juicy goodness in here that I want to show you, that I want to enlighten you to, and I want to show you. But the first thing here is he says he calls people stones, but he doesn't call them dead stones or inanimate stones. He calls them living stones. Living stones. It's really weird. But I want to maybe... Get why. The first, there's, there's, there's two points to it. The first one, stones. They're not exactly exciting or glamorous. They're stones, right? Humility is the currency of the kingdom of God. There's an element about the stones in which we are, like the living stones, that it's just this humility, right? It's the currency that this kingdom runs on. And the second part of it is living stones... There's this, there's this element to us as, um, as temple, you know, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. It just, it just basically means that the Holy Spirit's in us, right? We carry, carry the Holy Spirit around with us at all times, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, great. Maybe you can get some today. But uh, that idea there of, of stones is, is, is uh, I, love, I just love what Peter does to it. I won't get hung up on it too much. We'll keep moving. But what he... Uh, 
what he wants to kind of get across there is that we're living stones with, with lives of living worship. Living worship, right? And uh, the New Testament's composed of, the, oh, sorry, the New Testament church is composed of believers and priests and all these kind of uh, traits and abilities that the, that the believers have been given. And Paul writes to um, the Romans in his epistle. That scripture we had up there before, I can grab that now. Romans 12. So Paul's just, he's just finished telling us all, all the Romans, about the, their identity in Christ. And he's, you know, you've fallen short, but God, right? But God. We get this amazing statement. And then Romans 8 comes through and sweeps it all out. And he goes, you know, but you've been justified. And, and it's amazing, right? But we get to 12 and he starts telling us what it looks like. How do we do this, right? Thank goodness, right? Seriously, I need help. I need help all the time. How do we do this? Oh, that's right. I have a Bible. I can read that, <laughs> right? And so he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves or your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, right? Which is your spiritual worship? And he goes on to talk about not conforming to the world. But I just want to zoom in on this spiritual worship and this idea of presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. The Old Testament's got a book. It's, there's a few books in there. Um, it's got a book called Leviticus. It's not a particularly exciting book um, when you first encounter it, but as you spend some time in it, uh, you actually get to see the holiness and the radiant glory of God, right? And, and, and the role of, that we now take as believers of God or in God, in Christ, right? If we see this paralleled role. There's a point in Leviticus that talks about sacrifices, and it's all kinds of sacrifices, family sacrifice, atonement sacrifices, all, a whole bunch of them. But the point about those sacrifices are they're dead, right? They're dead. Those sacrifices are not offered to God alive, they're offered to Him dead. We're a little different, thank goodness, right? The people of God today, we're called image bearers, right? Image bearers of God. And, and we're spirit-filled and spirit-fueled, right? And so from that, uh, from that place, we get to glorify God with our lives, right? Just like the Levites were giving glory to Him through the sacrifice, we now live, we don't get to, we don't get to be dead and just go, God, here I am. Hi, I'm going to glorify you. know, God, I live for you. My life is worship for you, okay? And that's the, that's the shift in our paradigms. And I think, <clears throat> pardon me. It's really important, this one. I'm going to read this because I wrote it down and it's quite poignant. Hopefully. This doesn't mean that all we do is worship. Rather, above all we do, we worship. I'll say it again. This doesn't mean that all we do is worship. We're not just busy worshiping every moment, all the time, glory, hallelujah. That's heaven, right? Rather, above all we do, we worship. Worship's not an activity, it's a life calling and a lifestyle. And I think the activity of worship is but an overflow of the love for God that we have, right? It's really cool. <laughs> nice and noisy today. Must be the presence. So Romans 1 through 12, Paul's talking, I just mentioned it, Paul's talking about this big case for, for like, um, uh, who, what you have in Christ, right? All this salvation and this reconciliation to the Father and, 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 the, and the living of the Spirit and this big story arc kind of happens, right? And then he turns his attention, turns his attention to the, <coughs> pardon me, to the Jews and Gentiles in chapter 12. 
and uh, starts talking. We get that verse back up uh, at the start of it in this translation, but in another translation it says, therefore. Therefore there shows us, it, it's a natural flow. It's a, now this, now this. You've had this, now this. I remember I was, uh, I used to live in a terrible place in Narrabeen with a bunch of boys. It was filthy, rats, pizzas every night. It was terrible. Um, it was really bad, but I saved by grace, not through my work, so it was all good. Anyway, and then, uh, but, I, but I bought, I got given actually an Ikea shelf, right? You know, we all love Ikea. Yeah, not really, right? Right, so I got this Ikea shelf and pull it all together, and it was what secondhand? Pro tip, never do that, because the instructions were not there. So I looked up online, Ikea instructions, and I got this beautiful little pamphlet. No numbers. So I just had pictures to go by. So, yeah, it's safe to say, the beautiful coffee table I envisioned became a great upside-down coffee table with a bit on the side. It was just kind of like hanging out, and there was a leg, and I didn't know what was going on. And it was because I tried to rush ahead, I just tried to, I wasn't sure where I'd come from, where I was supposed to go, right, after I'd done this next step. There was no procession. There was no next part to it. So it just ended up all mangled. And so Paul, I really think, is important what, what he's doing here. It's, a, it's important, just like Jesus in the Gospels, he identifies who he is, he then he gets tempted, and then he ends up reiterating who he is in God. I think we go on that journey the rest of our lives, right? And so Paul here, it's nothing new. He's doing that. And he, 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 he turns, turns from that idea that he says, do not be conformed to this world, yada, uh, uh, living sacrifice. All this language here is, um, it's kind of leftovers of the gospel. It's the leftover residue of the gospel that he's just told them, right? And so I want to focus on that. The gospel is that the act of the gospel is worship. We can't help but respond with glory to God, right? And so it's not just our words or songs, but it's in the way we live. It's that idea of living sacrifice out of a place of love, out of a place of acceptance, out of a place of uh, our true identities, right, from God, that we live a life of worship. And uh, famous Bible scholar N.T. Wright, he's got an awesome translation of the New Testament. And I just want to read a little portion of it here. It's the same verse from Romans um, 12, but I'll just read it here for you guys. So, my dear family, this is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. We've got that. We heard that. What's more, verse 2, he says, what's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now that, I could just read that for the next 15 minutes and, and that would be powerful. But I'd like to unpack it. Do not be squeezed into a shape. Anyone ever felt squeezed in the world? You know, at work and, oh, oh yeah, that, that's, I could say, oh, I'm getting squeezed out, right? Really, I feel squeezed out, a, a trait of our world, our pluralistic, our many-faceted truth world is that we often get squeezed out of the picture or squeezed into a shape that is, that is otherwise true. And I think to be a true worshiper, it's to worship the true God revealed in Jesus. That's what it is to be true worship, just to, to, to do true worship. And I want to share, I want to offer this thought. I said the recreating work, all right, so the recreating work of God becomes the central rationale or the central reason for our corporate and individual recreation. 
I'll say it again. It's like I lost a few. The recreating work of God. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives and recreates us, births us again, makes us new. We are new creatures. The recreating work of God is the central reason for our corporate and individual recreation. Recreation is what we do with our time, what we do with our money, what we do with our social life. What do we... That purpose, the recreating work of God, is the, what, is the chief reason, the, the, the chief idea that we should be focused on in our recreation, right? And so when we understand this relationship, our response becomes alignment. Alignment to uh, uh, God's truth, God's word, right? An alignment of, I, I'm thinking this, but I'm doing this. Getting that in line, right? I am this in God, therefore I worship. You know, not I am this in God, therefore I look like this or I live like this. I don't necessarily think that that's the way we're designed, right? Causes all kinds of grief. So here today, I just want to pull out a couple of points. What does it look like to worship? The first point is a word called consecration. The highest act of worship is to offer our lives as a living sacrifice to God. We're to do this on a daily basis. Another, another word for uh, rec- consecration me, is this word devotion. We just sang it in the line of that song there, our, what's it called? Our, da, 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 our devotion, right? That word devotion connotates a daily act. It's a daily act, every day. You let the well dry up, you have to redig it, right? Each day I wake up, I don't get to choose to be married, I am married, thank the Lord, Right? <laughs> I am married, thus I perform the duties of a husband, right? I perform the duties of a husband, and I don't do it out of compulsion or anything like that, but I made a promise back to Shannon a year and a bit ago. I said I devote my life, I wake up every day and I do something daily that means I am devoted to you. That's a duty, right? There's duty involved in that. Now, we kind of hear duty and go, that's a bit, uh, I don't like that. But Solomon, wisest guy on the planet, he says this in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Now all has been heard, he's just finished talking about life. (laughs) Now that all about life has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, that's wisdom, right? And keep His commands, that's devotion, that's obedience, right? For this is the duty of all mankind. You can insert humanity there if you're feeling left out. That's the duty of all humanity. Wisdom, know His ways, know know His commandments, obey, right? It's beautiful. The second, part, second point here is uh, transformation or inward transformation. If you're taking notes, point two, point one was consecration, point two was uh, inward transformation. Romans 12, we saw the words, do not be conformed, but be transformed. Remember those? The difference of those two words is not, of one, not one of outcome, but of motivation. Conformed, when we are conformed, the outside is changing us. But when we are transformed, when we are actually taken in a, in a space of... of, of uh, worship and living in that word, living out this life of worship, we become transformed. We become changed from the inside out, right? And as as a very very specific word usage there, right? His design is that we we don't have false worship in our life, uh, and and that we actually would be changed from the inside out, and that we would we would fight against this sin nature that we have, the propensity to give up our worship for something that is not God, right? But, but it's us it's us in nature. It's not the world we live in. It's not the money we don't have. It's not the house we haven't bought yet. It's not the struggle that we haven't overcome. Our circumstances, right, our circumstances aren't what got us out of whack in the first place with God. So why would we think that they're things that are going to fix us, right? 
I'll say it again. The circumstances didn't get you out of space with God. Your internal compass took you out, right? Why would we look to more money, more time, more this, more that for salvation? Why? It, just, it doesn't work. It doesn't compute, right? And so alongside these things are other things like relationships, right? True community, significant God moments in our lives. Transformation takes place with the truth of God renewing our mind. And the result of that is strong convictions, character, and conduct, the way we live. Strong convictions, strong character, strong conduct. I've been on a pretty big journey with this in my own life. I used to struggle a heap with dissatisfaction. My life, my career, my age, where I was in life, my knowledge, my spiritual development, all this stuff. But when I just stopped following that compass of circumstance and followed him, it took me to his word. And I found out a couple of things. I found that knowledge puffs up while love builds up, right? I found out not to desire, uh, sorry, not to uh, despise my own youth, right? I found out that God used Goliath to be killed by David. <laughs> that was weird. He used David to kill Goliath, right? <laughs> and that the Lord is my helper and, and I will not fear. What can man do to me? These scriptures actually took root in my heart and began to transform my outer world from within, right? And so by no means do I have this perfect. I'm definitely on a journey with this, but uh, I'm actually now, okay. I'm actually uncomfortable with this idea of God uh, waiting on me, right? We have this paradigm if we wait on God. I did it before. Sometimes he's waiting on us, right? And so I think worship and conduct should be inseparable. When we live, when we, sorry, when we don't live out what we believe, our, our worship lacks substance and our message lacks conviction. There's a, there's, a, there's a presence and an anointing that comes out of conduct with integrity. No one's looking, but you're doing, the, you're doing what God needs you to do. That gives you a, an authority and a weight. Because we're worshippers of Jesus, we allow our lives to be transformed and be, to live by His way. Tobes, you're going to jump up on the ivory, mate. Third point there is our lives reflect and reveal Jesus. Living worshippers reflect and reveal Jesus in all they do. As I said before, our lives ought, there's an oughtness in our life, to have a practical outworking and an expression in our worship. It's counterintuitive, right, as we go inside comes out. It's counterintuitive. And so, um, in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, Jesus is, is culture setting, right? He's culture setting. It's a big culture meeting, kingdom of God. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before the others that they may see the good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Last week, Lord Mark Pastor Ward mentioned uh, a, a scripture, James 1, 23. Can I get that thrown up on the screen, please, if you've got it? it says, it, uh, that's Ecclesiastes. Sorry, uh, the next one, James. James uh, 1 verse 3. For if anyone is a, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who has looked intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks himself in the mirror and, and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. When we spend time in worship, it's like staring in a mirror. A perfect mirror that doesn't lie. That we can't lie to, right? But I've got a question. Why did James choose that word mirror? Mirrors were expensive at this time. No, not everyone had mirrors. Why not a shiny pot or a pool of water or a stream or something like that? I often wonder that about this passage. 
You, anyone got that, got that skinny mirror in their house? It just looks, you look good. That's the mirror I want to use and nothing else. I don't want to go to the, the shoe store with the kids' mirrors. They make you all kinds of weird. I want that nice mirror, right? Well, it's neither. It's the true mirror, right? Something that when we look at ourselves, uh, uh, we actually get an opportunity to see it for what it is and change it. We don't look at our mirror just because we like the way we look. Some of us do. Hey, I'm not judging. But we do it to change something, right? Hair's not right. This isn't right. So I think that James is pushing us or pulling us towards looking at the true mirror. I think it comes from looking at the Father face to face. And I just want to offer here today that that's that's what true worship brings us. Gives us that opportunity to look in the the face of the Father and turn turn from our ways, turn from um, uh, uh, just just empty singing on a Sunday or not living out this message that we have, but it turns us into going, I'm going to make a change, right? There's a change. Get the rest of the team up with Tobes. And so I just want to have some worship here today, some true, some living, some consecrated, some worship, some Jesus-reflecting worship here today. And as I opened, I said, uh, people ask, where's your place of worship? I want to invite you guys to make this place right here, your place of worship. Right? His presence is here. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. So I just want to say this. As we consecrate our lives here today, so that we might peer into the mirror, see who we are, and in turn reveal Jesus to others. And like a clay pot discovering its purpose for the first time, we're vessels built for holiness and for the dispensation of sweet-smelling oil. Vessels with soothing balm to our neighbors, pots of honey bringing sweetness and an ease to our workplace. An ointment for the brokenhearted. Let's drink together. Bring my heart. 
Thank you, God. Hey, why don't we give the Lord a hand this morning? Thank you, God. Give Ryan a big hand as well. I love Ryan's passion. His heart for God, his love for God. It's, uh, it's definitely infectious. And uh, yeah, I encourage you to take away what he's, he's talking about today. The most important thing is being a, a living offering to God that every day we're saying God I'm, I want to make a difference for you I want to take what you've given me I want to please you and, uh, and that is our call so if you're here today maybe you're feeling a bit away from God not feeling that close uh, I want to encourage you to draw closer to him today maybe you've never actually asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour I want to encourage you to make that decision today. That That is where it all begins. That's where the connection starts. Or maybe it's just a reminder, a, a recalibration of, yeah, I just we constantly need to be putting our priorities in order. As Ryan said, you know, we're created to worship. We are going to worship. It's just aligning that worship, making sure that Jesus is number one. That's when life actually works out for us. So I want to give the Lord a hand this morning. Thank you, God. If you want prayer this morning as the service finishes, I encourage you just to come up here and uh, prayer team will be here to pray for you. Believe in uh, the power of prayer. Maybe just want a reconnection, just to realign your heart, your direction uh, with God's call on your life. But uh, encourage you to hang around. Stay out in the cafe. Don't forget, Next Step will be starting in about 15 minutes uh, for part number three. If you want to be part of that, welcome to, uh, to join them. But I uh, look forward to seeing you out in the cafe. Have a great day. God bless you. And we'll see you real soon.